Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9 says, Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate." Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. And the writer of Hebrews, the the book of Hebrews is very much a a commentary on the types and symbols of the Old Testament and how those things are fulfilled in Christ. And as he talks there about Christ suffering without without the gate, and and he likens that to the sacrifices and how the the bodies are are burned without the camp, um, he... He talks about that sacrifice of Christ, but then mentions another sacrifice. Uh, He talks about a sacrifice of praise, and he says that that sacrifice of praise is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And he says at the end of verse 16 there, that with such sacrifices, thanksgiving, um, to, to communicate there, which means to have fellowship, and it's really talking about giving, um, through the local church, it, it says to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. And with, with thanksgiving, you know, often we, we think about abundance and don't necessarily think about sacrifice. But, you know, the, the writer of Hebrews there is writing about some things that to the, to, to the Hebrew reader, who was familiar with the things of the law, they would have seen the the connections that he was making there. Uh, We often, when we talk about the sacrifices of the Old Testament, we most often think of the the sin offering, whereby a a sinner who was guilty would bring that sacrifice and it would die as his substitute, uh, as a picture of Christ who would come and offer himself as the substitute for the sinner and, and die in their place. But there were other offerings and other sacrifices in the Old Testament. You can be turning back to Leviticus chapter 7. In fact, you can, you can also get Leviticus chapter 3. There was a sacrifice called a thanksgiving offering. And this was not something that they gave on a, a certain day of the year. You know, we, we have a Thanksgiving day, which is a, a day set aside to, to give thanks. And of course, you know, you all know the, the history back into American history about the, the pilgrims and, you know, the various uh, Thanksgiving proclamations by uh, General George Washington and, well, President George Washington at the time and, and uh, Abraham Lincoln. 
but, but Israel had a thanksgiving offering that was a, it was a, a peace offering. In fact, here in Leviticus chapter 7, uh, let's start in verse 11. It says, this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer unto the Lord. If he offer it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving, unleavened cakes mingled with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, cakes mingled with oil of fine flour, fried. Besides the cakes, he shall offer for his offering leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offerings. And there was this thanksgiving offering. Now, the, the peace offering that it talks about was kind of a category of sacrifices. And it included the thanksgiving offering. It, it included as well the, uh, uh, just a free will offering. Um, and also the offerings that were associated with a vow, with, with uh, completing a vow. And um, when it talks about being a, a peace offering here, uh, put, a, put a mark here in chapter 7 and go back to chapter 3. Now, understand that this offering was not in order to obtain peace with God. Uh, it was the sin offering that when they offered the sin offering, it said that, that uh, they would have atonement with God, where, where that relationship would be set aright again. Of course, you understand that those animal sacrifices were only ever a, a temporary thing that pointed to Christ, the once-for-all sacrifice, so that today these things, the, the animal sacrifices are no longer necessary. And yet, there are types and symbols here that uh, have some, some important significance for us. The, the peace offering was not given in order to get peace with God. The peace offering was given because you had peace with God. It, it was given, like, you know, like we say, one of the offerings was a thanksgiving offering. And in fact, if, if, you hadn't, if you hadn't brought the right sin offerings and things, if you were still bearing sin in the sense that you hadn't brought that, that offering and gotten atonement, you couldn't, you couldn't give a peace offering. Okay, you had to be a, in a state of cleanness. You couldn't come as someone unclean. Now, the, the, in the sin offering, the sinner came as unclean, right? And it was through that, that sacrifice that they were set back in a state of cleanness. But these offerings, you had to be clean in order to bring the offering. So these offerings don't speak to, to justification and salvation, but rather they speak to something for the person who is a believer. And in fact, the offering itself, these peace offerings are fulfilled in the believer. Now, the, the peace offering here, it's going to give all of the, the details of what was involved in, in bringing the offering. Leviticus chapter 3, verse 1, it says, And if his oblation, that's just another word for a sacrifice, if his oblation be a sacrifice of a peace offering, if he offer it of the herd, whether it be a male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. Now, it, it mentions here the offering of the herd. There, there were five kinds of animals for Israel that were sacrifice animals. Um, it was uh, a, uh, you had the, the sheep, of course, you know, a lamb, a goat, uh, cattle, uh, what the scripture calls a, a bullock or a, or a heifer. Um, and then there were turtle doves and pigeons that they could offer. Now, the peace offering, actually, if you read the whole passage, we're not going to read all of chapter 3, but the peace offerings could be given of the, of the herd, of the flock, um, or, 
of the flock of, of the sheep or of the goats. So it could be a, a cow, a goat, or a, or a sheep. They couldn't offer these birds as a, as a peace offering. Um, the, you see it says they have to offer it. It can be a male or a female. It doesn't specify the age it has to be like, like it does with some other sacrifices. But it has to be without blemish. See, all the sacrifices, they couldn't bring just some, you know, some sick animal that was going to die anyway. It had to be without blemish. Now, in the sin offering, the sin offering had to be without blemish, and that, that spoke of Christ and his sinlessness. But here, when it talks about this sacrifice being without blemish, I, I want you to notice, we're going we're gonna to go from these passages in Leviticus over to some other places. There's, there's actually two passages in the New Testament that use the words without blemish. The first is in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, where he says, verse 18, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And so Christ is the lamb that is without blemish, but... Let's not forget, if we go back to Ephesians chapter 5, let's not forget that when we place our trust in Christ, when we receive eternal life, God counts some things as being true of the believer. He counts some things as being true of the church, the body of Christ. And in Ephesians 5 verse 25, it says, uh, it's speaking to husbands, it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. See, that's Christ as the, as the sin offering. But notice what it says about the church in verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Do you realize that if you've placed your your faith in Christ, if you are a member of that body of Christ, that church that the Apostle Paul is writing about there, God looks at you as being without spot, without blemish. And uh, that, that sacrifice of thanksgiving had to be without blemish. Now, if we go back to Leviticus 3 and verse 2, so the sacrifice had to be without blemish. Um, it, it also, there's very specific instructions for how the sacrifice has to be handled. In Leviticus chapter 3, verse 2, it says, He shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering and kill it, at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. Now, the person who was bringing this offering, they would bring it there to, to the courtyard of the tabernacle before the door, and that's where the altar was, and they would place their hand upon its head. Now, in the sin offering, the, the one who was offering the sacrifice was placing placing their hand upon its head, uh, signifying that, in essence, they were laying their sin upon the sacrifice so that the sacrifice could suffer the judicial punishment for what that sinner deserved. But in this peace offering, that's not what, what's going on here. In fact, here the, the, the sacrifice is still serving as a substitute, 
but it's serving as a substitute of that, that one who is clean, that one who's already been made clean through the sin offering, offering themselves to God. Not to be judged for their sin, but rather willingly offering themselves. These peace offerings were, were free will offerings. They, they were not required by the law like the sin offering was. And so he places his hand on that animal to accept it as, as his substitute so that in offering that animal to God, what he's doing is he's offering himself to God in peace and in thanksgiving. Uh, the, you know, when you, when you consider uh, the passages that talk about how the believer is to mortify our members which are upon the earth, that's very similar to what, what the offerer here was doing in type and symbol. They were offering themselves to God. We, you know, we don't bring an animal and offer that you know, as our substitute to offer ourselves to God. But the scripture instructs us in Romans 8 and Colossians chapter 3 and, and other places to, to put to death ourselves. See, it's a death to self. That's what, that's what the one offering the sacrifice was doing in placing his hand on that animal. And you see that the blood was sprinkled round about the altar. Now here the blood is not, is not given as, a, you know, as the thing that purchases salvation, right? I mean, that, again, would be that sin offering and, and the blood there, how that was handled, uh, typified that. But here it's, it's the way the blood sustains the believer. You know, when the scripture says that the life of the flesh is in the blood, that it's, you know, it's true the life of the flesh is in the blood in the sense that the, the, for us as believers, the shedding of Christ's blood gives us life. But you see, it's not as if that blood just needs to be applied the, the one time. We need to always be close to that blood of Christ. Okay, now Christ doesn't have to shed his blood over and over and over again, but that's where we get our sustenance and our strength. That's why in the Lord's Supper, that fellowship meal between believers, there is symbolically that picture of the blood of Christ, and that's to be remembered until he comes. See? Our need for the blood of Christ was not just a, a need that we had as we were lost, but it's a need that we have continually as believers to rely on that blood of Christ shed for us. The, the sacrifice, um, still in Leviticus 3, verse 3, it says, He shall offer of the sacrifice of the peace offering, an offering made by fire unto the Lord, the fat that covereth the inwards, and all the fat that is upon the inwards. In all of the sacrifices, the fat belonged to the Lord, and the fat symbolizes abundance. And so the, the believer that, you know, that abundance that we have, not, not so much talking about the, you know, physical abundance of, of, you know, possessions and that kind of thing, but that, that abundant life that we have in Christ, when we offer ourselves to Him, all, that's all we're offering back to Him is the abundance He gave us in the first place. That's, that's true of the physical things as well, by the way. Um, and, and the fat there represents that, that abundance. In verse 4, it says, "...in the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them, which is by the flanks, and the call above the liver, with the kidneys, it shall he take away." And uh, the, the liver, all those organs represent the inner man, 
He's saying it's, and, and the idea here is that these certain organs are sacrificed completely to God. Something else is going to be done with the rest of the sacrifice, but those specific organs are put on that, that burnt altar and they're burned up completely and given completely to God. And it symbolizes us, you know, giving that inner part of ourselves completely to the Lord. The, in verse 5, it says that Aaron's son shall burn it on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice. Now, the peace offering wasn't offered by itself. The peace offering was offered on the burnt sacrifice. See, again, the, the idea there is that, that uh, this is something, this isn't, again, this isn't that burnt sacrifice that would be offered for, for sins, but this is something that has to be offered after that. It's laid upon it. The burnt sacrifice has to be there first on the altar before the peace offering can be given. And these things are are placed there on the burnt sacrifice, which is upon the wood that is on the fire. It is an offering made by fire. And it says it is a sweet savor unto the Lord. Now, that sweet savor, many times with these offerings, God talks about how they would be a sweet savor. And, and the idea is that the, you know, the, the aroma of that sacrifice would go up to God. That wasn't so much meant to be understood in a physical sense as if, you know, God needs, has some need to, to smell these sacrifices, but rather it was a, it was a spiritual sense that in, in these people demonstrating faith by obeying God in this way, that was something that was a sweet savor to the Lord. And, you know, the, the scripture, like we saw with the, the without blemish, in the New Testament, that's applied both to Christ. Christ's offering was a sweet savor to God. Christ, in offering himself for sin, was a sweet savor to God. But turn to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 2. Second Corinthians chapter 2, notice as well that for those who have placed their trust in Christ, that sweet savor of Christ clings to them as well. So that 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15 can say, uh, For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are the savor of death unto death and to the other the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? And, of course, the answer to his question there is nobody's sufficient for it. We're not sufficient for it. It's something God's done completely by his grace. So that same sweet savor of Christ, which was far beyond the the sweet savor of these Old Testament sacrifices, God says that's true of the believer, that we are that sweet savor of Christ. Um, If you go back to Leviticus 7, so all those things about the peace offering are, are true of the specific thanksgiving offering, but the thanksgiving offering has a few additional elements that are mentioned. Leviticus chapter 7, and skip down to verse 12. Leviticus chapter 7 and verse 12. In addition to that peace offering, uh, Leviticus 7 verse 12 says, If he offer it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mingled with oil and unleavened wafers anointed with oil and cakes mingled with oil of fine flour fried. Now, unleavened bread, leaven in the Bible is always a type of sin. And bread is a picture of flesh. And so unleavened bread, bread without leaven would be a a picture of sinless flesh. 
Now, how, how could the believer in any way offer sinless flesh to God? Uh, certainly, our, you know, our flesh is, is sinful. Paul says, in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. And yet, in Romans chapter 12, Paul tells us to uh, offer our bodies as a living sacrifice unto God. You see, again, the, the Lord, by his grace, has imputed righteousness to us. So that we can offer our bodies, even though we understand that our our flesh is sinful, we now as believers have the ability to offer our bodies as a holy and acceptable sacrifice to God. And so you have these these unleavened cakes. Now the unleavened cakes are mingled with oil, and oil is always a a type of the Holy Spirit in the Scripture. Uh, You certainly couldn't, couldn't offer yourself in that way without that oil of the Holy Spirit. Um, there, I, I want you to notice as well, as we go on to verse 13, though, it says, besides the cakes, he shall offer for his offering leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offerings. There's some unleavened bread, but there's some leavened bread there, too, that's, that's to be offered. And, and again, as I mentioned earlier, the scripture talks about, about, you know, offering, mortifying, putting to death your members that are, that are upon the earth. Um, we, you know, we sacrifice ourselves, uh, as, as redeemed and as justified people to God, but that means we have to, we have to offer some things. We have to sacrifice some things with regard to our sinful flesh. Leavened bread was never allowed to be offered on the altar because leaven was that picture of sin. Uh, here it's offered as a wave offering where the priest will, will hold it up before God or, or the offerer uh, will, will uh, uh, offer it up before God. And um, again, that leavened bread would be that picture of sinful flesh. And here, here's really at the, the end here of this description of the sacrifice is is really the powerful part of this. Um, you know that many sacrifices, for instance, in Hebrews we read about how the, the, the carcass of the sacrifice that was mentioned there uh, was to be taken out of the camp and burned. Okay? The, notice what happens with the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering in verse 15. It says, The flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day that it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until the morning. What they would do is they would have a fellowship meal around this this altar. Now, there were many other sacrifices where the priests would eat the flesh of the sacrifice in a fellowship meal. But in these offerings, in these thanksgiving offerings, uh, whoever was offering it, he would invite his friends and family and neighbors, um, and they would have this meal together to eat this sacrifice that he had given willingly to God. Uh, There was a a fellowship there. This wasn't something that was just done individually. It wasn't just done, I mean, you know, certainly one individual is offering the sacrifice, but it was something that was done in, in the context of fellowship. You see, and, and thanksgiving for the believer is something we do together. When we come together, our fellowship together ought to be characterized by thanksgiving to God. That writer of Hebrews, when he talks about those uh, sacrifices of praise and of thanksgiving, and he, he says about don't, you know, don't forget to do good and to communicate. That word communicate means to have fellowship. All right? 
And, and so there's a fellowship involved there. In fact, that fellowship, come down to verse 19, it says, The flesh that toucheth any unclean thing shall not be eaten, it shall be burnt with fire. And as for the flesh, all that be clean shall eat thereof. But the soul that eateth of the flesh of the sacrifice of peace offerings that pertain unto the Lord, having his uncleanness upon him, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. If somebody were to be in a state of uncleanness, and there were all kinds of ways you could become unclean under the law, and you were to eat of this, this offering in that state of uncleanness, you were to be cut off from the people. That term, to be cut off from the people, there's some places in the Bible where it even means physical death. It probably doesn't mean that here, but what it meant was, for an Israelite, was you were no longer an Israelite. You were a Gentile. You were uh, a stranger from the covenants of promise. And so for an unclean person to come and eat of this sacrifice of thanksgiving with those that were clean, they were, they were cut off. Um, it says, uh, verse 21, Moreover, the soul that shall touch any unclean thing as the uncleanness of man or any unclean beast or any abominable unclean thing and eat of the flesh of the sacrifice of peace offerings which pertain unto the Lord, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. Now, in the, in the picture here of this sacrifice, that one who is unclean would be the unbeliever. See, the believer's been made clean. He's been washed by the water of the word in, in uh, Ephesians 5. And th- you realize that, that the, the thanksgiving that we're able to give as believers, the unbeliever has no part in that. Now, unbelievers all over the country will celebrate the day of thanksgiving. And... Many of them, they talk about a day of thanksgiving, but they don't give thanks to anybody in particular. Uh, they maybe focus on how they're thankful for certain things, but without any, any idea of who they would even be thankful to. Um, many of them are, are like, if you've ever seen the, uh, the movie Shenandoah, and um, Jimmy Stewart, his character, gives a prayer before they eat, uh, giving thanks to God uh, in that movie. And pretty much through all of it, he says, well, we had to do all this ourselves, but we'll, we'll give you thanks anyway. And that's mostly how the world gives thanks, even if they have any conception of God being involved at all. But you see here, the, un, the, the thanksgiving of the believer, the, those that are unclean have no part in it. Now, it doesn't mean you can't celebrate Thanksgiving Day by eating, <laughs> eating the Thanksgiving meal with unbelievers, but realize they're, they're set apart from being able to offer themselves to God in the way that the believer can that um, you have to be made clean first before you can try and, and have, you have to have peace with God before you can offer a peace offering to God. And uh, you see that, that separation that's placed there. Now, I want to close. Let's just go to Romans chapter 12. I made reference to it earlier, and I'm sure most of you are familiar with the verses. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, When he talks about giving your bodies as a living sacrifice, that's not as a sin offering. There's no way you could give yourself as a, a sin offering to God. That's what Christ suffered for. But the sacrifice it's talking about there is the kind of free will, peace offering of the thanksgiving sacrifice. Um, it's the, the spiritual fulfillment of that, that now as believers, we can offer ourselves to God 
it says it's our reasonable service, and it's a holy and acceptable sacrifice to God. Uh, now, if you're here tonight and, and you've never been made clean by Christ, if, if you believe that, uh, you know, you, have, you still have sins that are not forgiven, if you are trusting in yourself or you think that, that you can work off your own sins or, or pay in some way for that, you see, everything here tonight, uh, all this about the peace offering and the thanksgiving offering was contingent on having already been made clean. And Jesus Christ offered himself as a perfect sacrifice for all of your sins. And what he says is, if you'll just receive that gift, that free gift of eternal life, that he will count you as righteous. Count you as righteous as if, as if you'd never sinned at all. And that's the, that's the offer of eternal life. That's something that has to be taken by faith. And very often we would rather put our faith in ourselves and our own ability to, to uh, take care of our sin ourselves than to put our faith in Christ. But it is a, that is an utterly futile task to think that you in any way could, through any kind of sacrifice or work or any, anything of your own, pay for your sins, to think that your work would have to add to his. But uh, rather we can receive as, as a free gift that gift of eternal life, and then we can offer ourselves as a sacrifice, having been made clean by the blood of Christ. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone, 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.